THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 549, the penultimate series episode before 550 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast, Nerds. My name is Matt Baum. I'm so excited for 550. After, oh. five, after 550, Let's we're just walking skip ourselves. This one. Let's just skip this one. After 550, we're walking ourselves into the tar pits. <laughs> And on the internet's Joe Patrick, in this week's episode, we put our review spotlight on a book Matt thought was going to be full-on pornography, that's on him, Money Shot number one, and Captain Kitty, Call Me Kate Pride, and the Marauders. Wow. <laughs> After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday, October 23rd's new comics while sipping on the cocktail of the week during the ludicrous speed round. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. It's actually up. I, this whole time, we've been going to this... All the way to the top. I've been saying down, but it's up. We moved it. So, doesn't matter. We're going to be rapping about our must-read picks for next week. <laughs> I don't and recall finally, ever mentioning the direction. <laughs> Game of Thrones might be over, but HBO has a new nerdy series. And on this edition of Nerd TV, we'll be talking Watchman. It's all happening on this pre-Halloween episode. But first, we better talk about this week's Nerd News. Jeff Loeb, the longtime head of Marvel's television division, is expected to leave the company, according to Variety. From the Jeff Loeb desk. From the from the Loeb desk. <laughs> from the loser coats home desk. Oh. <laughs> Citing unnamed sources, the Hollywood trade states that Loeb is, quote, in the market for an exclusive deal with outside studios as a producer. They fired him. No, they didn't fire him. They politely no, they asked didn't. him to step just down. Let I'm me calling read my shot. Story. I'm calling my shot. Loeb's reported departure comes just a week after much of Marvel Entertainment was reportedly restructured to bring oh, Marvel Comics, what a coincidence, Marvel TV, and Marvel Animation under the supervision of newly named Chief Creative Officer Kevin Feige. So he showed up and he was like, "Hey, did, did my office move?" And they're like, <laughs> "Um, no." Uh, hey, why don't you come in my office? We could talk for a second. Feige, Jeff. of course, is also the president of Marvel Studios. Loeb was hired as Marvel's head of TV in June of 2010, working with then-publisher, now-president Dan Buckley, and reporting to Marvel Entertainment Chairman Ike Perlmutter, Trump, uh, uh, apologist, apologist, <laughs> yeah. donor, uh, enabler, all-around shithead. Yeah, uh, the Department of De- Veterans Affairs <laughs> chief. Almost, yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter has now corroborated Variety's report and added new details. According to THR's sources, Loeb had been planning his departure uh-huh. that he's expected to announce by Thanksgiving since well before Kevin Feige was given oversight of Marvel Divisions. Uh-huh. Uh, though that has not yet been confirmed by Disney. Yeah. Uh, THR offered one potentially interesting detail about the future of Marvel television under Feige. Detailing how the crowded slate of Disney Plus streaming shows that will be closely integrated with the MCU served as an indicator that this move was coming, sources indicate ABC remains committed to having Marvel programming on the broadcast network, and as of August, they were still prepping another show. Uh, In August, Deadline reported that they were in active talks with Marvel, 
ABC, not Deadline. Right. Uh, for a new female superhero-led TV series to replace Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after that show's 2020 finale. Uh, but it is still unclear what the future holds for programs not developed by Feige, like uh, Freeform's Cloak and Dagger and the Hulu shows and the cartoons that are coming. Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb was asked to leave. And no. they said... Why would they ask him to leave? You can do it on Why your Why wouldn't term. they just give him another job? Exactly. Why don't they just give him another job unless... They politely said, Jeff, you've done a great job. It's time to move on. And they said, we'll let you announce it on your terms. This stuff happens all the time. These conspiracy theories have this is not no basis theory. in any reality. Why would they not offer him another job? Maybe they did. Maybe he wants to move on. They did. You really? You think so? They're like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this super successful money gargantuan that I work for. <laughs> Look, man, he's no. a creative dude. People move on I'm from not jobs all not. the time. I'm saying I think they let him leave on his own terms and said, we're going to let you announce it. You are not, you're not fired. It's just time for us to move in a different direction, Jeff. And But nothing about Feige's appointment would have affected his presence. Uh, like, he would have bringing, just had another boss to report They're bringing to. everything in-house. Marvel TV is now part of Marvel Studios. Jeff Loeb was not part of Marvel Studios. Yes, and well, he was. And he's not being invited in there. Now, You're, you really want me to believe that they didn't ask him to step down. I want you to tell me why you suddenly think that there's this like sinister I don't think it's sinister at all. Jeff Lowe. I just think they said you don't have a job anymore. You announce it. We're not going to say you're fired. It's nothing like that. But why don't there's, they bring him into Marvel Studios? Maybe they offered to bring him in. Maybe he just wanted to move on. Doubt it. And I'm saying right now, Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, all that, it's gone. It's going to go away. It's not, it doesn't have good viewership as it is. It's probably expensive to make. Runaways is about to start its third season. They're doing fine. Mm. Maybe fine for Freeform or whatever, but I think... It's on Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. I think we're past that. You, you watch. This will be the final season. They'll announce it. Nerd bet right now. Nerd bet. Mm. Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, gone. I'm not making that nerd bet because... Because you know I'm right. ABC still wants to make this content. I'm not saying they don't want to, but now they got to deal with Marvel Studios, which... And what a chore that would be. Dealing with the most one of the most successful movie studios of all time. All I'm saying is Marvel wants to keep all this stuff in house, and they're pimping their other stuff out in Disney Plus because they want to make that kind of money, not old school TV money, not this ABC thing. The model is dying; it is dying. Hmm. Go if you watch the Emmys, they were like the only TV show that was up for an award that was on major television was This Is Us. Everything else was Hulu. Was uh, Amazon was HBO. I mean, that is where the future is, and that's where they want their money printed. And for some reason, they don't think Jeff Loeb fits with that group, and that's why he's not here anymore. What you're reporting is not news. You are just I making make, a rumor. You're right. I'm making a guess, yeah. but it makes sense. Otherwise, you bring him into Marvel Studios. Unless he didn't want to come. Doubt it. He's been planning to leave for months, mm -hmm. the story says. Doubt it. From the Mike Magnola desk. The Forever House. Hellboy creator Mike Mignola has teamed with Starburns Industries to create The Forever House, a live-action anthology series based on tales from folklore around the world as announced via Deadline. Hey, you know what would be nice? If we stopped making shitty Hellboy movies and did this instead. <laughs> Just do it on TV. But I mean, it's not going to be Hellboy. I know, but what I'm saying is make it Hellboy. Stop making bad movies and do this. The series is aimed to echo the feeling of classic horror and sci-fi anthologies such as The Twilight Zone and Black Mirror, but with a unique aesthetic designed by Industrial Light and Magic to recapture the aura of classic Hollywood-style filmmaking through an updated modern lens. 
Here's the official synopsis for the series. Existing somewhere between reality and nightmares, the Forever House will encapsulate the feeling of an ancient tale told by the fire as we explore the disturbing and macabre from the mind and sketchbook of Mike Mignola. You did it. Okay, I did it. Wow. The show will incorporate some of the same actors playing different roles in different stories across multiple episodes. Very American horror story. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was no thinking. No cast members are announced and we don't know when it's coming. This is a cool. neat idea. We'll see when it comes out. I like that Mike Mignola is getting paid. I wish this was a Hellboy television nah, show. Nah, man, I don't need it to be Hellboy. And they did it right. I don't need it to be Hellboy. Yeah. Antholo- anthology, like like amazing stories, but with yeah. like folklore. That sounds great to me. No, sure. I mean, it, it'll be fun regardless. He's a very creative guy. We've read millions and millions of his horror comics and loved them. I don't see why it couldn't translate to creepy TV, and I'm in. When yeah. it, we'll see when it's coming, when it's but actually Mike happening. Mike Mignola is the sort of storyteller that n- needs to be involved more in this sort of thing. Definitely. Like, we've got a, we've had a few movies from him and whatever. But, yeah, I need Mike Mignola to be ch- turning out stories on the regular. Yeah, and I want Lord Baltimore to be in it. Oh, Baltimore. That'd but Baltimore awesome. is not Hellboy. Baltimore is not No, I'd Hellboy be fine universe. with it. If they just did a Lord, a Lord Baltimore show where he showed up and killed all these different, like, myths and shit. Oh, ah, I, I love, love I love Baltimore. <laughs> Finally. From the Secret Identity Desk. Wow. Writer Brian Michael Bendis has confirmed that Clark Kent will reveal that he is Superman to the world in December's Superman number 18. The circumstances of the reveal, which was hinted at in DC's December solicitations, have not been disclosed, but Bendis tells the New York Times that his planned twist will open up, quote, 1,000 Superman stories that have never been told. Okay. I mean, why not a million? Yeah. <laughs> a billion D. Uh, Superman's identity has been revealed before, most recently in a 2015 story in which he was outed as Clark Kent by Lois Lane, that bitch. Well, that's what she does. She screws him <laughs> over true. constantly. Uh, the New 52 was a terrible mistake. Yeah, it really uh, However, Bendis assures readers that his version of this turn of events won't be a gimmick or flash in the pan. Quote, I don't do fake out stories. I did a story where Daredevil was outed, a different kind of outing, but that was his reality for 15 years. Yeah. That's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, everybody, they had to get real creative to put that <laughs> genie did, back yeah. in the bottle. <laughs> uh, everybody who's ever been in contact with him is going to have a completely different perspective and reaction to this. Uh, some heroes are going to be thrilled, some are going to be livid, and some villains are going to change their ways. What does that mean? I don't know. Uh that's the end of that quote. What's more, this change will call into question whether someone with Superman's abilities can also be trusted to do Clark Kent's job as a journalist ethically without using his powers to circumvent the law. Is this how Superman gets replaced? We'll see. Because, I mean, we know we're, we're coming to something huge. That's next year. We don't know. Where all the heroes are getting replaced. We think. Superman 18 is due out December 11th. Uh, interesting. That is the last Superman of 2019. Yeah. 2020, the big rumor is everybody's getting replaced. That's not coming. That's not even going to begin until the summer. So Dr. we're Manha- many months out from that. Dr. Manhattan swings his, his stuff around and boom, <laughs> everybody's gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, tr- I, I know. trust Bendis so much with what he's been doing with Superman that like this, I don't even care. I, I don't care. I, like, I have grown, I'm just going to read it and I'm, I'm going to yeah, love it. I've grown out of like the knee jerk fanboy reaction of like being mad about my favorite character yeah. getting replaced because I know. After 40 years of doing this, that these are stories that are just going to keep going around and around and right. around, and this is just going to be a fun thing to explore for a while. And this is a totally different 
idea than like a guy like Daredevil getting outed. If Daredevil gets outed, well, that's a real pain in the ass for Matt Murdock, who right. at the end of the day, he's got some abilities, but he is just a dude. Right. Someone could show up and shoot him in the face while he's in his office. That's not such a problem for Superman. It's going to be more all the soft targets around him. Well, and this that is looking this is looking more like he's making the choice to do this for unknown reasons. It's really weird. So we'll see. Like yeah. I've I've loved the direction of Menace's Superman, yeah. and I'm not worried about this. No, it's I'm definitely a big swing, and uh, yeah, it'll be exciting. I also think it's a lot easier to put that toothpaste back in the tube in the DC universe than it is in the Marvel universe because they just go a large rattling super fart echoes through reality erasing everyone's memory (laughs) that is your nerd news for the week but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while we were outing Mitt Romney's secret Twitter identity our bad yeah, sorry. That was our bad. Sorry, sorry. Delicto. <laughs> so hit us up on the THN. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so hit us up on the THN forums, big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover Live every Saturday, where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11 a.m. to noon Central Time. It's more fun than secretly defending yourself on Twitter, and you control the content. I have like four different like Twitter feeds where all I do is is defend my opinions. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right, Matt Bomb. I'm with you. This I'm week, like, thanks, pants come down sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're talking about rogues galleries. Your favorite comic book rogues galleries, not Batman. Not Batman. Matt Batman is demanded. You can't pick table. Batman. Off the table. So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, leave a message. Mexman left us a message already today. He did. Or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. It's Spotlight Review time in the Ziggurat, where this week I'm talking about a nudie book and Joe is getting his swash buckled by another X title. Joey! Why don't you uh, put that swash away and go ahead and go first? Okay. <laughs> this week I'm reviewing Marauders number one from Marvel Comics, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lali and colors by Federico Blee. It's 40 pages for $4.99, and here's your solicit. The X-Men sail at dawn! Even in this glorious new dawn, mutant kind faces hardships and oppression from their human counterparts. Led by Captain Kate Pride and funded by Emma Frost and the Hellfire Trading Company, Marauders, Storm, Pyro, Bishop, and Iceman sail the seas of the world to protect those hated and feared. Kitty, Kate Pride is on a boat bound for Krakoa for one simple reason. The teleport gates don't work for her. I've been staring at the cover to this issue for two months, wondering why it looks like she's been beat up. Yeah, now we know. Now we know. It's because <laughs> she slammed face first into what is essentially a locked door. She pulled what I like to call a Casey bomb in my house, <laughs> where you like walk straight into a, pay, a pane of glass. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Though it looks painful and probably has some troubling implications, it's hard not to laugh at that moment, and that kind of sets the tone. It was pretty funny. <laughs> it sets the tone for the whole issue. There's a humorous undercurrent running throughout Marauders number one, that sets it apart from everything we've seen in Hox Pox Docs so far. It actually took me a bit to get used to it after the heaviness of the Hickman stories that came before. I thought it was kind of nice. I, I did. You I know? agree. Jerry Duggan's take on Kitty is full of self-doubt, wondering about why the island is rejecting her and pondering her own worth to the X-Men. She's been relegated to a glorified gopher for Wolverine's food and booze. 
She doesn't seem to have drunk the Krakoan Kool-Aid like the others, and she feels uneasy on the island. I did like that they took, like, the, uh, your standard, uh, what am I trying to say, Hickman, like, you know, page, yeah. where, like, instead of, like, secrets and stuff, it's just, like, Wolverine shopping Wolverine list. Wolverine shopping list, yeah. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> uh, so she quickly takes to the role of liberator for those mutants around the world that are still being persecuted. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Bishop is in Taiwan investigating the disappearance of a man that walked through a Krakoa gate but never made it to the island. It's not clear how his mission will tie in with Kitty's just yet, but I'm sure he'll be joining the crew before too long. I love Bishop. Do you? I do. I don't give a shit about Bishop. I love him. Matteo Lali and Federico Blee's art is really fantastic. Though the issue deals with some heavy topics, there's a lighthearted, adventurous quality to the art that goes well with the tone of Duggan's script. Lolly choreographs a phenomenal fight scene that shows off just how terrifying Kitty's powers can be. Yeah, truly. Blee's color art uh, sets each new location apart, whether it's the vibrant ocean blue and lush greens of Krakoa or the gray winter of Russia. Jerry Duggan and his art team do a really good job setting up an interesting concept in Marauders number one. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of questions. Why are they doing this on a boat? Yeah. Instead of their fleet of stealth jets. Yes. Why did Kitty have to steal a boat I don't instead of just know. waiting for Emma's to be finished? Or get on the fucking Blackbird. Why did they even introduce the plot that, like, Emma's building a boat but it's not done yet? What's the... Why? why? I don't get it. Uh, how far away is Krakoa exactly? Hawaii is almost 2,500 miles away from the yes. mainland. Yes. And I sure wouldn't want to try traveling there in a small sailboat. It's actually like a, a dinghy, essentially. Is from I mean, what it's it a sailboat. Like. It's like, yeah. it's a big enough. I mean, it was a nice it's boat. It's like, it's not a yacht. It was a nice boat. But it's like a sailboat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how fast is it going? It, how long does it take her to get from America to Krakoa? This, and this is my problem with the book. It, it, like, the book was good. Give it your rating first. Well, but then she takes it from Krakoa all the way to Russia. Yeah. It's cold up there. And... and We'll get there. Yeah. Still, now those weird inconsistencies did not really dull my enjoyment of the story. It's just, there's some unexplainable things here. Uh, I am really happy to have Captain Kate front and center in the new X universe. I'm giving it a buy it. I really liked it. I also liked it a lot. But we have set the X-Men up in a world where now I get it. They're traveling through, you know, these yeah, portals right. that take them anywhere they need to go, right? So did they just throw all their technology away? They just trashed it? Said, fuck it? I mean, no, these are because the they have a moon base like, if and they a wanna, space shuttle up there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. the X-Men want to go into space, they've got stuff to do that. If the X-Men want to, like, travel to another country, they get on the fucking Blackbird and they go there. Why can't Kitty do that? Kitty knows how to fly the Blackbird. Why? Yeah. A boat. I don't like other than they just want to reinforce the pirate theme of the book. So part of me thought it had something to do with like the appearance of seeing the mutants policing the waterways, their trade routes. Right. Like showing the world like here we are. We're out here. Sure. You can but still that's do on, that. That's on Emma's massive ship. It doesn't explain why she steals a small sailboat. Well, but even on Emma's massive ship, I don't get it. it like it, it just seems like a plot device 
because we want to reinforce the pirate aspect of this. Yeah, kinda. I like that Emma is setting up like, look, there's going to be a black market too, and yeah. you're going to be in charge of that. That's very cool. It also I like wasn't that. very clear. Is like Kitty in charge of shipping the drugs? I don't know. Or is she just liberating mutants? But they also said that Emma said she came to Storm, and Storm was immediately like, no, no way. And then Kitty was like, you want to join the team? And Storm was like, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so there, there's Storm some, didn't just didn't want to work with Emma. Sure, but she is doing this. She is. Well, there is a line that says, "You deal with Emma. I don't want any part of it." Right. I like. There's some inconsistencies here. There's some stuff that no left question. me wondering. It yeah, was a fun sure. book. It feels like we're doing some of this just because we want to do it, not because it makes any sense. And I'm going to need some stuff explained in the next couple of issues. Sure. And I'll give them the time to do that. Right. And I, and I will. I, I'm fine with that. And if Kitty's going to be on a boat sometimes, I'm all right with that. I'm fine with that. But she should also be on a plane or using a jetpack or whatever the X-Men. You know, I like they, <laughs> sure. they never had any problems with transportation ever. Right. And now suddenly it's a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> like, I don't get it. You know? Well, it's just a pain in the ass for her. But yeah. It's okay. Then why Iceman and Pyro and everybody's like, we'll, we'll get on the boat too. There's no other way to do it, I guess. Blip, get on the boat. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. There's, yeah, a, line, there's a line that. To Russia? Yeah. There's an emergency and they sailed to Russia? That yeah. seems like it would take a really long time. Yeah, right. Because Iceman went through the portal, got shot at. Yeah. And then came we back. We got a problem in Russia. Like, Let's get on the boat. We got to sail there. Why not send a mutant attack force back through that portal? And then whenever Kitty gets there, she'd be like, how'd it go? And they're like, we whooped their ass <laughs> three days ago while yeah, you were right. sailing. Yes. And I'm like, I get like, there's a line where it's like, hey, Storm, we could use the wind at our backs. Yeah. Sure. That's only going to get you going so fast. Right. And I'm sorry, Storm, we've seen her being like, here's enough wind that people that can't normally fly can fly with me. Sure, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pick true. pick everybody up and fucking fly there, okay? Like, this I, was, and while I read it, it I, I was so conflicted because I liked the book. Jerry Duggan wrote it very well. Yeah. I love Kitty Pride, and I like her being in charge of something. It, this just feels like we're really forcing this plot. And I don't so far. Get it. I agree. I just don't get it. But I'm giving them the rope to hang themselves. With, okay. I guess I. After this rant, I have to give it a skim. It. No, why? Why? I, I do. Did you enjoy it or not? Because this doesn't make sense. That the thing in my Again, head. But it neither did the thing House of head, X. Neither did House of X. No, number no, no. One. But that like, didn't make sense. Story in the is sense building that it is a mystery. This is not a mystery. <laughs> this is why are you doing that? The it's mystery like, is why they made this. My decision. name is Gunman, and when I'm in trouble, I shoot people with my gun. But in this issue, I'm not gonna shoot them. I'm gonna punch them you know like oh, wait a minute gunman you have a gun <laughs> hey look bishop doesn't shoot everybody all the I, time i don't i just i'm giving it a skimmit i'm sorry i talked myself into a skimmit no i don't think you're being Th they've got it. maybe it becomes a buy it when a couple issues from now we go well you know we're not flying around anymore because we need to stay under the radar and there's a better way to do it or i just say that just say sure. that and i'm okay with it but they didn't they never did they just had people on boats. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> and the, the, the X-Men, especially who have so much technology, so much technology. You want me to really believe that Kitty Pride can't walk through the, through the door to go to Krakoa. Ah, God, I can't do it. And she goes, fuck it. I'm going to steal a boat. 
I guess I'm done with the X-Men. Why don't you steal a helicopter or a fighter plane <laughs> yeah, or yeah. any? Yes, it was. These questions. The Blackbird. We're <laughs> not answered. can't stop saying it. Call Reed. Yeah. Hey, Go Reed, it's Kitty. I need a ride. the car. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. whatever. You've got friends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, it. I didn't let that. The things I enjoyed about the book outweighed the things that made me go, what? That's fair. I just couldn't turn that off in my head. I, I couldn't because right. you've given me way too many years of this shit for me to just go, oh, I guess they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, this rant's over. Take your pants off. Let's talk about porn, shall we? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm reviewing Money Shot, number one, from Vault Comics. It's written by Tim Seeley, Sarah, and Sarah Beatty, with art by Rebecca Isaacs and Kurt Michael Russell. He was like your colorist inker. I loved him in uh, <laughs> The Big Trouble in Little China. Mm, no, you're thinking of his kid. This is his kid. Oh. Yeah. Kurt, 32 Kurt pages Russell. for $3.99. I'm not going to read the solicit because I read it last year, but. Here's what's going on. In the year 2032, scientists with brilliant ideas struggle under yet another science-denying administration that refuses to pay for anything. So an intrepid inventor and genius scientist, Christine Ocampos, comes up with a long-distance teleporter that will revolutionize space travel. For some reason, nobody wants to fund the project. What's a girl do but to find a way to fund it herself? And since she doesn't want the military to use it to kill aliens, that leaves her with one choice. Fucking alien. Porn. <laughs> I'm serious. That is her choice. Christine and her team turn to making porn with willing aliens on the internet to fund the project. Now, it's a silly setup, and I see Seeley and Beatty working here. Obviously, the two writers are taking a shot at the current Trump administration and their stupid anti-science agenda, but that's not my problem with the story. The dialogue is snarky and cute, but definitely comes from the Kevin Smith school of dick and fart jokes, guaranteed to shock. I wasn't offended by any of that either, but it also wasn't particularly funny. I love a good, dirty humor, but it needs to be more than just dirty. You gotta bring the funny, too. And it just wasn't quite here. The premise gets lost in ridiculousness very quick. I would argue this team doesn't need funding at all. The device works and is bringing real aliens to Earth on the damn internet. What more proof of concept does one really need? Not to mention, how is a team vetting alien sex organs to make sure, I don't know, they don't get killed while making the sex? There is a line in there about them finding compatible. Yes. Yeah. Rebecca Isaac's art is beautiful, but my main complaint with the book is honestly, is the lack of nudity. Really? Yeah, Come on. Hear me out. This is obviously an adult title with absolutely filthy dialogue on the very first page. It's about having sex with aliens for internet porn, and they chose to only show two panels of boobs. Why? Imagine the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If Leatherface only beat up lost teens with boxing gloves on, what is the point? I'm not looking for a nudie comic to read, but why not go all the way here? It's a really odd choice, and it makes the comic almost seem like it's trying to convince the reader that it's not prude by filling dialogue balloons with naughty words. If this creative team wanted to make a porn comedy, make a porn comedy and stand by your work. This felt like it was almost dangerous, but had nothing to back up its, like, bad premise. Money Shot was an unfunny comic about porn minus the porn, and I can't say I'm really interested in reading more. I'm giving this a leave it. Wow. That's pretty harsh. It just 
it felt like they were trying to be so edgy in what they were doing, but they were afraid to actually be edgy. See, I mean, like, and I'm not saying I want full on penetration. Sure. But like show a dick. Do it. Like, buck the system. We get to see women naked in comics all the time, but there is still definitely this faux pas about showing male genitals in comics. Get over it. And if that's what this is going to be... You hear that, comics industry? Do it. More dicks for Matt Bomb. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. See, I didn't really think that they were going to make a porn comic. It's going to... I thought it was going to be a comic about people making alien porn but not yes. that it was actually going to be porn and i'm not saying that i thought it would actually be porn either now, i just I think did they think tried it was surprisingly tame yeah that's what i'm saying uh in that degree and if you want to in make a regard. mark and you want us to talk about it and you want to get people talking about it go for it see now Push i don't that need that like, envelope. I, I don't need it either. i don't need it like i like sex criminals it's mm-hmm. about like it's not especially graphic uh, they have showed his dong a few times. There's nudity, yeah, but it's not like <laughs> like I, I didn't need this to be pornographic. Uh, but uh, would you have liked it to be funny? I mean, that would have been nice, right? <laughs> I didn't think it was unfunny. I didn't think it, I just didn't think it worked. It, it didn't land. It was just trying to like say some stuff that's wacky and porn related. Like, oh man, like oh alien fisting grandma clowns. Like, like okay, I get it. <laughs> I mean, I, it just it, it just fell flat for me. Like the, the there was something that I I enjoyed about the revelation that like the internet has brought us the most bizarre things we can imagine. Sure. So that people are too jaded to care about anything normal. Right. Uh, Which we're already there. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, where it's like. <laughs> like if you're not having sex with insects, I don't care. <laughs> like when they were, when they were, um, she was reading the reviews on the, on the website. Right. She's like, and the reviews are like. Nobody tried to fuck that cake one star. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did think that was funny. That, you know, that, and the, I'm not saying there weren't mm. clever moments. There were some clever moments. But all in all, I just thought this felt kind of flat. And it wasn't as daring as it was pretending to be. I, th- I thought it was fine. I'm giving it a skim it just because, like, I'm not super invested in the in the concept. I mean, I, I'm not really I, either. I think, that the, I think that the leap that the science team makes... Is incredibly fast where she's like, oh, yeah, I have an idea. And they're like, yeah, dicks. Well, even, but even before that, even before they're like, yeah, let's fuck aliens. They're like, well, we need funding. We don't have any funding. You don't need funding. You've got the machine. You built it. It works. Okay? But nobody wants and, to pay for it. And, like, and people are like, I'm not into that. But really? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought the art was incredible. The art was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a skim it because I thought it was well executed. It it was tamer than I was expecting, but I also did not need it to be like full on peas and veggies. No, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just saying, look, if you're going to go for it and you're going to call the book money shot and that's how you're going to market it, do it. Let's open it up. Page one. Weird alien dick. You know, like, let's get into it. There was that one alien with the huge balls. There was. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, like, give me a break. It came up with a bad joke. Wow. All right, well, that is a leave it and a skim it for Money Shot number one and a buy it and a skim it for Marauders number one. We are divided this week. Yeah, we are. We'll post our written reviews over at 2 at a nerd.com so internet porn addicts can fill the comments with comic book deep fakes. But we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too, so call this weekend on THN Cover to Cover at its new time, 11 a.m. to noon Central Standard Time.
Before we get into this week's reviews, though, let's introduce the cocktail of the week. All right. This week, we are sipping on a take on the old-fashioned. I am calling it the old knucklehead. Here is your recipe. I get it. In a cocktail shaker with ice, you will pour two ounces of fat-washed Canadian whiskey. Now you're saying, Matt, what does fat-washed mean? Fat-washed is simple. You take some bacon, put it in a pan, cook it up, make the bacon, right? Take the bacon out, eat it, have a little snack, save that fat. The fat goes into the whiskey. You let it sit there for about an hour and a half, two hours, put it in the freezer, turns back into bacon fat, and you scrape it right out of there. Get a little bacon essence in your Canadian whiskey. One fourth ounce of maple syrup, two dashes of Angostura bitters. You stir it several times. Make sure and keep your spoon on the edge of your stirrer. It's very important, right? Of the cup, that is. Why? Because it helps mix everything better. And you want to do it about 15, 20 times. Real quick, because you're also lowering the temperature, right? Bringing it all together. And since you got maple syrup in there, you need to mix in. It's not going to want to. You're going to make it, right? Pour it into a glass with some orange peel and one large ice cube like Joey has. I had to go with several ice cubes. I ain't got no orange peel in here. Yeah, you do. Turn oh, it around. It's right there. I see it. And then pour your knucklehead into a rocks glass and garnish with a Marvel Legends X-Men 6-inch Cowboy Logan action figure and enjoy. Chin chin. Not pictured. Excelsior. Excelsior. Ooh. That's crazy. That is bizarre. Oh, it's like maple syrup and bacon, a little bit of orange. Ooh, I like that's, that one. That's a weird combo. And now, with Drink in <laughs> Hand, join us as we review eight more of this Wednesday, October 23rd's new comic starring The Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Black Adam, Year of the Villain, one shot from DC. The first thing Paul Jenkins' Black Adam story assumes is that you're also reading Shazam. Well, I'll be the first to admit I fell way behind. So when Captain Marvel shows up, acting kind of screwy. That's from I, Batman Superman, not from Shazam. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm way behind on that too. So didn't know what was three, going on. Three issues deep, buddy. You're I wasn't. Great re- job. <laughs> Sorry, I read the first one. That was it. I wasn't real sure what the heck was going on, is the point. That said, Adam comes off as less of a villain here than a screwed up Shazam, and the story's pretty solid outside of the Deus Ex Machina ending, which again, not terrible, but kind of left me scratching my head. The art was a little wonky at times too, and I'm pretty sure artist Anaki Miranda was channeling Randy Orton as Black Adam, which is weird, since The Rock has already been cast as Black Adam. The story was solid, and it reestablishes Black Adam as DC's Doctor Doom, but this is by no means a must-read if given it a skimmit. You should just cast the Iron Sheik as Black Adam. He's a little... Yeah, I suppose. The Black Ghost, number one and two from Comixology Originals. Co-writers Alex Segura and Monica Gallagher tell the story of a hard-drinking reporter obsessed with her city's lone vigilante who is then forced to adopt his mask as her own. I loved the art by George Combatis and colorist Ellie Wright, but the script is pretty rough, unfortunately. The main character is terribly unlikable, and she monologues to herself so melodramatically. I can see the potential in the premise. Oh, it also moves at a snail's pace. Again, all you need is thought balloons. Yeah. Thought balloons. Well, I mean, she monologues. Like, there's the equivalent. It's oh. just caption boxes. What, is she talking out loud? No, no. Okay. She's not talking out okay, loud. Okay, I'm all right with that. Uh, I just, I found the execution a bit lacking. I'm giving the Black Ghost a skimmit. 
Kaiju Max Season 5, number one from Oni. Season 5, wow. Yeah, dude. Xander Cannon's epic tale of giant monsters in prison returns for another season and is a perfect jumping on point. It's equal parts Pokemon, Godzilla, Ultraman, and Oz. Cannon tells an amazing story that's both funny and heartfelt at times. The monster dialogue is plucked straight from hardcore prison dramas and Japanese kids cartoons with a splash of 60s giant monster movies and it works so well. Some writers can very easily get lost in their own slang, but maybe it's perhaps Canon has been doing this for so long that he has it down to a science. The art is ridiculously cute, cartoonish, and overly covered like every episode of Pokemon, but this new story takes a look at police corruption, wrongful conviction, and even the treatment of the mentally handicapped by the justice system. Kaiju Max is an incredible read, so feel free to start here and then go pick up the entire collection. Buy it. The amazing Mary Jane, number one from Marvel, because Joe demanded it. <laughs> uh, it is official. I am not a fan of Leo Williams's writing. I am not either. This script is so over-the-top precious that it renders the lead character almost unbearable. Mary Jane has been hired to co-star in a sympathetic biopic of Mysterio, secretly directed by the villain himself. What? She spends pages complaining about the objectification and lack of agency of her character, and then she gives up her own to be a part of the villain's story. She seems to have no problem letting herself become an accessory to fraud and kidnapping at a bare minimum. <laughs> the story points out how ludicrous it is more than once. And then Mary Jane just goes along with it anyway because, OMG, it'll be so much fun. Oh my god. I did enjoy the art by Carlos Gomez, but The Amazing Mary Jane number one is one of the worst comics oh, I've wow. read in quite a while. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to suck, but wow. Huge leave it. It's bad. Tomb of the White Horse, number one from... I guess it's Kickstarter? Ian. Yeah, I th we'll say Kickstarter. <laughs> Friend of the show, Ian Mondruck, made him a comic book and had a very successful Kickstarter campaign to put it out. Congratulations, sir. And guess what? It's really good, too. Three men working in a warehouse receive a giant package that turns out to be way more than they bargained for. Possibly the end of society as we know it. Oops. In the description for the project, Ian and artist Benjamin Philby talk about their love of horror classics like Hellraiser and John Carpenter's The Thing, and they wear those influences very well in this creepy, high-concept horror comic. We'll have a link in the notes for this one, and if you dig on quality horror comics, you should damn well buy it. I don't know what I'm going to link to. The campaign is over. Oh, yeah. It is over. You should have paid for it, you <laughs> jerks. That's what you get. Uh, maybe he's got a website. I'll find it. The Immortal Hulk, number 25, from Marvel. Al Ewing has once again put a completely unexpected spin on the Jade Giant, giving us a Hulk created or infected by the one below all, fated to be the destroyer of the universe at the end of time. Well. And one being's plan to send a message back to prevent this dark future from coming to pass. Ooh, just like uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> beautifully alien and bizarre art by German Garcia, and a great twist ending by regular series artists Joe Bennett and Rai Jose. The Immortal Hulk is one of the first books I read every week it comes out, and it continues to outshine most other superhero books on the stands. I'm giving it a huge buy. This is some of the best Hulk stuff ever written. Yes. I think it's time we say it. We've said it. Betty and Veronica, friends forever, supernatural stories. Number one? Number I, one shot? It's a one shot, I From guess. From Archie. 
Longtime Archie writer Bill Golliher and artist Dan Parent bring readers this adorable throwback issue with four stories of the boy crazy best friends dealing with ghosts, aliens, fortune tellers, and more. I fully expected this to make me want to cut myself, but even an angry old punk rock jerk like me has to admit that these two creators continue to make Archie stories that embrace the history of Archie but present them very well to a modern audience. I am actually giving this a buy it. Look at you. Knock me over Your with Your heart grew three sizes today. I don't today. know what happened. Count Crowley, reluctant monster hunter. Number one from Dark Horse. Ant-Man co-star and Kansas City native David Dastamalkian teams up with witch doctor artist Lucas Kettner and colorist Lauren Affey for this tale of an alcoholic news anchor who's used up all her chances and is forced to take a job replacing the local late night creature feature host. What she doesn't know is that the job comes with real monsters. Oh, she is. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't really get the appeal of like horror hosts. I just don't get it. It's never been my thing. Oh, you mean like like the people that host the show, like Elvira? Yeah. Oh, uh, like it's I, just fun. Elvira, it's just fun. But like Sven Gulli and I mean, like you got Elvira, and she had big shit. boobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a really fun concept with a great script from Das Malkin and fantastic art by Kettner and Affy. Count Crowley number one was a really pleasant surprise this week. I'm giving it a buy it. Do you know who that is, the writer? No. It's the uh, it's the Russian guy from Ant-Man, Baba Yaga. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> he was right. great. Okay. Vape pow! <laughs> that is your ludicrous speed round, and vape pow is the sound of Jimmy Olsen frantically slapping the vape pen out of Lois Lane's hand. Vaping is for teens, Miss Lane. <laughs> As seen in the pages of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number four, this onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by me because it was just too good. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week or suggest a cocktail recipe, vape it all over any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. You can also watch the ludicrous speed round on our YouTube channel. They are usually up even before the show to help you, the discerning comic nerd, make an educated new comic book day buying decision because knowledge is power. That's right. And hey, do you want to help stock the Ziggurat bar? Click our Donate Now button and buy us a bottle of booze, why don't you? Yeah, just say for booze. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, we'll even mention you in the Cocktail of the Week segment. Ba-boom. I just can't believe I asked us. I asked them for booze money. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, it's time to climb the spiral staircase to the top of the ziggurat and visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where this week, a reformed villain and friend Clayface is helping us with our Masters of the Universe two-bad costume. Which means we're officially out of two-headed costume ideas. Ah, we'll cross that bridge next Halloween. But for now, I'll call the... I call the purple head, so hold still while Clayface loans us some... goo? This is... Kind of gross, right? It really is. But I'll bet talking about our must-read picks for next week will take our minds off whatever is being smeared all over us right now. I mean, now. it's flesh, right? <laughs> I guess. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> My pick for next week is Fantastic Four Grand Design this Number so One cool. from so Marvel cool. <laughs> Comics, written and drawn by Tom Scioli. It's 48 pages for $5.99. Here's your solicit. Because you demanded it, the best-selling Grand Design franchise continues with Marvel's first family, brought to you by critically acclaimed cartoonist Tom Scioli of Godland and Transformers vs. G.I. Joe fame, in the sole authorship tradition of, made famous by Ed Piskard's X-Men Grand Design trilogy. 
Join the Watcher and witness how it all began. Plus, appearances by your faves, Doctor Doom, Black Panther, Namor, Galactus, Mole Man, the Inhumans. I wouldn't guess any of them were going to show up. No. It's really odd. Definitely not Fantastic Four characters. So if you loved Ed Piscor's X-Men, get ready to love... Tom Seeley's Fantastic Four. Very excited. This, like, just the picture of the thing that he drew for the cover. I was like, ah! <laughs> Matt, what's your spooky pick for next week? My spooky pick is Basket Full of Heads. Number one, that title's really bad. Let's just, it's bad. Basket Full of Heads. From DC Hill House Comics, not Vertigo. It is written by Joe Hill. Uh, also, it's Black Label. <laughs> oh, is it? The Hill House books are under Black Label. Good God. With art by... So it's not two imprints. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely not two imprints. It's not the Hill House imprint, and it is not the Black Label imprint. Nope. It's just Hill House Black Label. Yeah. With art by Leo Max. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what a Leo Max mm. is, but I think they're endangered. 32 pages for three ninety nine. It's just like it's really hard to get them to mate, you know? like I thought Leo Max was a uh, was the name of a, a dino writer character. Could Leo be. Leo Max. That or it was the robot that they built in... Real Steel. Real Steel. Yeah, I think that... <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Here's your solicit. The rain lashes the grassy dunes of Brody Island and seagulls scream above the bay. Cacaw! A slender figure in a raincoat <laughs> carries a large wicker basket which looks like it might be full of melons covered by a bloodstained scrap of American flag. This is the story of June Branch, a young woman trapped with four cunning criminals who've snatched her boyfriend for the deranged reasons of their own. Now she must fight for her life with the help of an impossible 8th century Viking axe what that can hell? pass through a man's neck in a single swipe and leave the severed head still conscious and capable of supernatural speech. Each disembodied head has a malevolent story of its own to tell, and it isn't long before June... I have to swallow. This is so long. Finds herself in a desperate struggle to hack through their lies and manipulations, racing to save the man she loves before time runs out. Plus, in the premiere chapter of the backup story, Sea Dogs, which sails across all the Hill House comics titles. I think there may have been more to it there. Hmm. But they left out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this sounds... High concept. Yeah, weird. Really wacky. Yeah. I don't know who no Leo Max is, but the preview art looks incredible. And Joe Hill, remember when, like, Lock and Key, when we read that? Yeah. When, not when we read that. When we read the solicit for Lock and Key, and we're like, what in the frig is this? <laughs> yeah. And then we read Lock and Key, and it was wonderful. Too true. I trust Joe Hill. I think this could be a lot of fun. It's got to be better than In the Tall Grass, because that movie sucked. Fingers crossed. It wasn't good. The THN Trade of the Week is Ascender, Volume 1, trade paperback from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Wynn. It's 136 pages for $9.99. They're giving the damn thing away. Here's your solicit. Ten years after the conclusion of Descender, magic has taken the place of machinery and the rules are very different indeed. Mila, daughter of Andy and Effie, spends her days exploring the lonely wilds of the planet Samson and trying to stay out of the clutches of the evil disciples of the all-powerful vampire witch known only as Mother. But just like her parents, Mila doesn't like to play by the rules, and when a certain robot pal of her dad shows up, nothing will ever be the same. Uh, this collects Ascender 1 through 5. Uh, 9.99 Image knows how to do it Crazy. right. Uh, I was just talking with Brian Domingos online about this. Marvel is putting out a trade of all six Dawn of X number ones. So X-Men 1, Marauders 1, etc., yeah. etc. Six issues. 25 bucks. There you go. 
25 bucks. Well, I mean, do the math. They're still gonna do trades of like Marauders Volume 1. Yeah, but I mean, come on, do the math. It's simple. Make it 10 bucks. If you're trying to create an entry point. How many issues is it? Six? Yeah. And the regular issues were $3.99? I understand the math, man. No, I'm just saying, like, they're charging the exact cover price, which well, is sure. just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it's like it, they're like that restaurant, like, buy one for $5 or get two for 10 Like, that's not a deal. <laughs> not a deal. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you are creating a specific entry point to a series, make it yes. affordable. And this has nothing to do with a sender by itself. It's well, just Marvel, a good policy. Uh, Marvel also doesn't have to do that. And they it's have true. been guilty of strip mining shit for cash for how long? Yeah, They you know, know they're right. sitting on a golden right. egg, so deal with it. But in addition to the price point, a sender is fucking great. It is. It's it, so okay. good. I didn't read any Ascender. I read all of Descender and I loved it. And now I have to sit down and read all of this and I'm going to love well, it. Well, we read number one because I reviewed it on the show. Uh, but, or I one of us reviewed it on the show. We read Descender. Did we review Ascender? We too? reviewed Ascender oh, no, number did. one because I made a lot of Ascender jokes. We did. Yes. That was the only one that I read. Yeah. So this, I'm going to sit down, burn through it. It's going to be wonderful. Can't wait. By the way, these are just a few of the comics hitting the new shelves at your LCS next week. But we want to hear about your must-read picks and your nerdy comic book costumes. Head to the THN forums and let us know what you're reading. But also, let us know what you would like to hear us review on the show. By the way, we did it again today. Somebody sent us a comic and we reviewed it. We're not afraid to do that. That's right. Actually, uh... The Black Ghost was also sent to us. That's true. Sometimes it doesn't work in your favor. Yeah, it's true. Roll the dice, bitches. You know? <laughs> we honest. <laughs> but if nothing else, we're honest. And we will review your stuff on the show if you send it to us. And don't forget, you got to pre-order all your picks every week. Otherwise, you're not doing the creators, the comic shop, or the entire comic business any favors. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Tell them what you want. Just tell them what you want. Watchmen made its HBO premiere last Sunday, and we're not going to get into a debate about creator's rights or whether or not it disrespects Alan Moore's original comic work. He separated himself from the property years ago. Lots of other smarter people are having those conversations. We're just going to talk about the show. And chances are, he hates you. Even if you are sticking up for him. <laughs> it's true. Instead, it's time for the definitive THN review of the new show during the Watchmen edition of Nerd TV. I'm glad you jumped in because I know how much you like doing that. I do. From the very beginning of it, it definitely pulled me in. And now here's something that a lot of people don't know. That shit that happened in Tulsa, that's a true story. Yeah, the Tulsa 1921 the Tulsa race riots. of Tulsa. That is a true story. Yep. Which blew my mind. Honestly, I didn't know <laughs> until yeah. I read and was like, oh my god, this, yeah. that is awful. I read online uh, that the number of Google uh, search requests for that just took a huge spike on oh, Sunday yeah. night. That shit was real. Yeah. Now, this Watchmen is set in the future after either the Watchmen comic or the movie. It's or the a, comic. Or it's a not, bit of both. It's not Maybe. even a debate. It follows the comic. Is that an odd choice? Why? I don't know, because we had a movie that a lot more people saw than those who have read the comic book. So what? I think it's kind of an odd choice, honestly. 1.5 million people watched Watchmen. I agree. 
and probably the show close to that many. Well, maybe not that many, but I mean, I bet close to it went to see the movie. 1.5 million people probably haven't read the Watchmen comic book. I think so. I mean, by now, maybe. Watchmen has sold millions of copies, Who I knows? think. Regardless, the feel that they instantly created here was eerie. It was ugly. It was scary. And even the good guys are definitely living in this very almost fascist it's democracy. Sort of a police state. Absolutely. I love how they set up the fact that like cops wear masks now, just yes. like the heroes because used to. Because they were getting targeted. Because it could protect it, it protects yeah. our identity. It just makes sense, right? There are a lot of fun things about this world that I didn't really pick up on when I watched it, and only after I read about it, like there's no internet. Yeah. Uh because there was just like a huge anti-technology like fear wave mm-hmm. after the attack on Manhattan. And so like technology scaled way, way back. Yeah. Um, there were also like reparations were paid to the black yeah, populace. They, they called them Redfordations because yeah. it was Robert Redford yeah. as president that got it pushed through. Which it like put the entire black populace in a much better position. Yeah. And you it have seemed like it was poor, a much more thriving. Yeah. Uh, but you have this yeah. poorer, undereducated white people. There's still racism because. That are effectively forming the KKK. Yeah. Loosely based on what seems to be Rorschach's journals. Yes, they're the Seventh saying, Calvary. Yes. They're saying things that Rorschach said. Mm-hmm. They are dropping hints that they are aware of what happened in the 80s and have sort of misconstrued. I mean, like Rorschach was a crazy person. No question. Yeah. So the story goes uh, at the end of Watchmen the comic, we see Rorschach's journal. Uh, he has sent it to. Uh, the Frontiersman, which is right. like a, an, an alt-right, like, propaganda rag. Well, very at the time, it would have been, like, libertarian. It was, like, super far-right. Yeah. Like, but but liber- yeah. like you know, right-wing conspiracy type very stuff. Very libertarian type stuff, uh, which would later morph into the alt-right conspiracy bullshit. And uh, so the idea is that Rorschach gave his journal to this, quote-unquote, news source uh, before they went off to confront Ozymandias in the Arctic or wherever it was, um, and they published it, but nobody believes it. Right, of course. Nobody believes any of it. Um, And also, uh, the stuff about Ozymandias being the killer, uh, he didn't find any of that out until after he gave the journal up. So I don't know how much of it people actually sussed out. Yeah, we we don't know that. And we don't know who is still around and who is not. We know that Ozymandias is still here. We see. We Jer- think. I'm pretty. He's never named. He's never named. But He's never named. And from what I've read. They dropped though. They definitely In the newspaper. In, right. They're like, Vite officially declared dead is what the headline says. But and he, that's the only time we see his it's name. It's got to be him. It, Jeremy Irons. It's got to be him. Like, even in the promotional material where it's yeah. like. Regina King as uh, Night Nun. That's not her name. Night Nun. Sister Night. <laughs> Sister Night. I think. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like Jeremy Irons. He's probably who you think he is. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me think that he might not be. Like maybe, maybe they're just messing with we us. We do get a very brief scene of Dr. Manhattan still on Mars. They show a news clip with him like messing around right. on Mars. Yeah. But like the heroes seem to be kind of gone and replaced by the police force which are very much acting like heroes. They're like detectives, instead of being plainclothes detectives, kind of wear superhero outfits. Well, there's the regular police, and then they're like Mother Knight. I mean, she's a superhero. She's right. got a Batmobile. Effectively, yeah. yeah. 
but she's also like a detective. She works as a cop. Yeah. She has a star. Deputized, There's yeah. Red, who was like the Russian guy. That uh, wears, Red Scare, I think yeah. was his name. He's awesome. Yeah. Loved him. And then there was the, I can't remember the actor's uh, name. Looking Glass, uh, uh, Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother or Art Thou was Looking Glass. was wonderful with the reflective yeah. mask on and the scene where they're sitting, like he's questioning. In the orb. Yeah, in the orb where he's questioning the guy who may or may not be a member of the Seventh Cavalry, which are like basically the rebirth of the KKK with Rorschach's conspiracy theories. Yeah. That was stunning. Absolutely yeah. stunning. It was a pretty excellent piece of Trent story. Trent Reznor does the music behind the whole show. Uh, who's the other guy? Atticus, Atticus Ross. Ross. Yeah. And it is terrifying. It, yeah, it, it's like, creepy. The music hummed like a, and there's the a lot of like time in the plunky, background. Plunky yeah. piano stuff in there. And then sort of rises up to a point when things are like, okay, this is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, Don Johnson, wonderful. He was very, he was so wonderful good. Wonderful right, in this now, role. All right, now, we're... Are we doing spoilers? No, no, no spoilers. Okay, no man. spoilers here. Because not everybody has HBO and people are going to see it different ways. And yeah, whatnot. that's true. I, I just, I, I approached this where like I had no idea where they were going to go with the story and how they were going to present it. And I think that they have captured the paranoia, the creepiness, like exactly how... I think America would have swung after the attack, whether mm-hmm. it's the squid thing, which it probably is, or it, you know, the movie even like it, e- it either way it is it's the squid thing, Matt. People would have moved squid aw- rain from the sky. Uh, yes, I got that. <laughs> either way, people are so afraid of Dr. Manhattan still and what happened and what they believe he did that the superheroes have now become cops and the cops believe they're protecting everyone. But there was a very vocal group of people that believe I'm living in a fascism now. And they kind of are. <laughs> well, we don't want to get too close to the, like there are good people on both sides. We're, like, we're not we're not getting into I'm that. I'm not saying that. But like but the 7th Cavalry, they're monsters. They're terrible, they terrible are. racist monsters. Well, the cops are kind of scary. But the too. world is also not great. Like <laughs> right. they and are really torturing only, people. We've really yeah. only seen Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. In this first episode. It's going to get much bigger from here. So far, I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely loved. It. I thought it was Cannot very good. More. Yeah, I think they're taking some huge risks with the show and really addressing like some scary stuff that is happening today in a totally different way. Yeah, that yeah. is just poignant and very well written. Regina King was wonderful. Regina in this. King was stellar. Yes, amazing. Absolutely. Such an odd choice too for like this superhero person, but she yeah. kills it. Um, Gene Smart. Uh, from Fargo, uh, mm-hmm. designing women. Uh, she's going to be on the show. She's playing Lori Blake. Yeah. Um, who is a uh, Silk Spectre. Yeah. From Watchmen. She's like, so there was a, so there's a website, uh, 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 an offshoot of the HBO website, uh, with a bunch of like, um, not Easter eggs, but like, uh, special features type stuff. Right. Like, or like, Kind of like Doomsday Clock, right? Where it's like, oh, here's a file from the desk of whoever about Lex Luthor finding right. the same photo of Dr. Manhattan in every every year of or the like, last 80 years. Or like the scene in Justice League where, uh, or, where Wonder Woman, <laughs> where, like, or pardon me, Superman versus Batman. Batman, Batman emails Wonder Woman a bunch of files. Oh my God. <laughs> right. She taps on um, her computer. So it's, it's, it's a lot of like, not that the show requires you to do homework afterwards. But if you want to. But if you want to read more about, yeah. like, they've really fleshed out this world on paper. Oh, yeah. 
And it's a lot of super interesting stuff and about how the world developed. And they're gunning straight for you, Westworld nerds. Like, oh, yeah, big time, big time. This yeah. is going to be huge. It's going to be all encompassing. It's going to be as deep a dive as you want to go. It's going to be weird. The soundtrack is great. The acting is great. The costumes are fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah, good. I just like top to bottom, this was a really well produced show. Yeah. And uh, I know that like, some people will will give Damon Lindelof a lot of guff because of how Lost turned out. Damon Lindelof also made The Leftovers, which a lot of people say is one of the greatest television shows of all time. Well, sure. And honestly, I don't have a problem with the way Lost left off. I mean, like people are mad about certain things, whatever. Fine. You can't deny that that show took a real chance and did some very interesting things sure, sure. that we had never seen before. And he's continuing that here and he's doing it with a lot of respect, whether or not you think it should be done. He's doing it with all the respect in the world for the original Watchmen. And I don't think you can take that that. away from him. I really don't. And honestly, there is nothing you could do to get Alan Moore to bless it. So whatever, he's completely removed himself from it. Well, but that's because DC screwed him over. Sure. And so that's an argument that should be had. It's just that, you know, Dave Gibbons is here saying, Hey, I'm behind it. His name was right there on it. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, you know, it was it kind of like created by Dave Gibbons. It was kind of like a like a wink and a and a, and a little jab because it was like co-created by Dave Gibbons for DC Comics. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of baggage, but I cannot deny that this first episode was incredible. They killed it. Absolutely. Watch it. Yep. Of course, we want to know what you thought about Watchmen, so hit us up this weekend on Cover to Cover and tell us why we should respect Alan Moore and not watch the show and disrespect Watchmen artist Dave Gibbons in doing so. That's right. Do not. You do can't, not. Can't do both. Don't put that evil on me, can't Ricky do Bobby. Both. No, do not. I don't want to have that conversation. One or the other, guys. Please don't do that. You know what I do? I say, fuck it. I don't care. I'm just going to watch it. <laughs> I should vet these scripts before I read the words you put in my mouth. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 549 and 550 is going to be so damn big it just might break the whole damn internet. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know what? You know what next week is? Halloween. Metal show. Yeah, but we can't do metal anymore. No, we can't. Not really. No. Mm. We haven't done it for a couple years now. Ever we since we got taken off iTunes. Year. Nope, because. They were like, you're using music you don't have the rights to, then you can go to hell. <laughs> so We don't really know that's what happened. Uh, we don't really know what's happened. It's not like they sent us an email about it. Joe, well, I'm ready to cut up quarter bin confetti cannons. Why don't you ask these nerds a new question of the week? Mm, all right. This week's question was submitted by Scott Evil through Twitter. We all know Batman has the best villains, but who has the second best rogues gallery in comics? Scott thinks it's the Flash. It's not the Flash. It's not the Flash. Flash has a pretty great run. It's got the good ones, but it's not the Flash. If you're new to the show and you're thinking about sticking your rogues gallery on us, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. Good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com, but hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So you want to thank donors like the Grolix podcast host, Jesse Kiefer. That guy is scraping for his own donations. What's he doing giving to this show? <laughs> I don't know. Come on, man. Uh, I feel like I probably named all the patrons at this point. Yeah, we need some new ones. And I'm losing track of the ones I've already named. Yeah, come on, you jerks. <laughs> we need new patrons. 
Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our dear friend Andrea Shockling. What some of you don't know is that Andrea is a very talented cartoonist and storyteller. And this week, she scored her very own literary agent. She's not even going to have the time of day for us real She quick is here. on her way Be to like, the Joe big who? time. I have big no time. Idea who those losers are. Word to you, Andrea. You can check out Andrea's comics at her website, andreashockling.com. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer might just get an agent of himself and blow you off. This is Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Okay, yeah. I think you're an agent blow you. I'll blow you up. I'll allow it. <laughs>